our break was that the sun came out early that year and we'll never forget it it was the day after valentine's day the sun came out and we went from doing three thousand pounds a week up to fifteen thousand a week and if that was two weeks later it would have been too late for us so really yeah yeah and that was the first make or break moment and there's been three or four of those in this business now that have happened over those time and then instead of being able to sort that out all hell broke loose and uh, our flagship pub burnt down we had the massive fire at Summerstown, and when you talk about things happening and like especially with covid now i think a lot of people will understand this it it takes so much energy to resolve bad issues and actually the company struggled because of that um we didn't have the financial or time resource to fix the smaller problems and you start to see things undoing around the corner but when your flagship sites burn down you need to get it built again you need to get it done quickly everything's got to go into that and uh, the business suffered for it, if I'm honest. I think there was a bad decision with the Clarence, but then it was a decision then that couldn't be fixed because you have to prioritise, you have to make decisions. And uh, it sounds awful to say, but you, you have you have to choose which child you're going to save. And uh, that's exactly what we did. Today, with uh, um, a bit of an industry icon, certainly in my eyes, and I know a very, very good friend of many people in the sector, um, Mr. Anthony Pender, who is founder of Yummy Pubs. Um, I'll be speaking to Anthony today about uh, his sort of upbringing and uh, um, the things that have uh, knocked him sideways along the way. Really looking forward to this one. Anthony's a good mate of mine, and uh, I'll uh, hope uh, everybody here enjoys it very much. Cheers. Bye bye. <laughs> mate, um obviously it's a pleasure to be chatting buddy and having a great relationship with you personally always helps but um this one i've been looking forward to doing this so no i don't really have any particular agenda except that the key is for what we would like really mate is to get across why you do what you do yeah what got you into doing it and then it'd be great to hear some of the howlers along the way um as well as some uh, some glorious successes too so um yeah, cool. If I just ask you to kick off, mate, just by telling us a little bit about sort of background growing up and um, what that looked like for you, um, makes it sound like a this is your life type thing, mate. It does, yeah. So uh, this is your life. Um, I guess now I've been in Yummy for 14 years, founded it uh, just over 15 years ago, took a year to get the first site. But uh, going back further than that, I actually um, always kind of uh, got pushed out to work by the parents. So did a bit of bar work, a bit of retail work, and then went and did a degree in business and tourism down in Bristol. Uh, part of that went to work for what was then Two Swords Group, which is now Merlin Entertainment, Legoland, all that. But I worked at Alton Towers uh, as a commercial manager for a year and a half. Uh, finished uni, got told basically uh, by all the bars and pubs and everything when I wanted to work in licensed retail that I'd have to start from the beginning again and uh, just start off as bar staff and... Uh, my debt and my credit card bill said that I couldn't do that. Uh, so went to uh, actually look at sales roles and ended up working for Carlsberg in uh, free trade sales. So not far removed from pubs actually in the end and uh, learned a lot in that time. Met my now business partners uh, through that. They were either customers or working in marketing within Carlsberg. And uh, from there, Yummy began. And we bought our first site in 2007. It was a, a lease on a distressed uh, asset, the Y-Mill. And uh, the rest is history, as they say. 
<laughs> and, and that's the end of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> going, oh, going, wait, mate, going back a bit. <laughs> yeah, we. You, 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 I need. I need to pad this out a bit, mate. Um, uh, so, you know, going back to the sort of um, making a decision to go into sales, and obviously, mm. as a mate of yours, I can see why. Um, nice. I'd imagine you you're pretty good at selling, but yes. in terms of you ran up loads of debt or credit cards or whatever. Um, I uni, then, yeah, I'm not unique there, am I? <laughs> no, well, mate, I got into sales because I got into loads of debt, <laughs> and so it's it mirrors it mirrors where you're coming from. But what was it in you, and at what point did you ever feel that you were going to do something on your own? and build a business as opposed to working for somebody else? Uh, I think strangely, and I think you talk to a lot of people who've gone and done their own business, when you go back to childhood and everything, I was always the one who uh, would sort of have harebrained business ideas or try and organise things for friends. And I think, especially with hospitality, I always uh, enjoyed playing the host. And that's It's the same now, actually. Uh, drives my wife mad that I, I want the big house with the... Uh, the massive dining room and stuff. It's like, why we don't need it? It's like, I do. I want friends around. I want to entertain. And I think uh, that's always come through in what I did. I was always at university sort of promoting nights, uh, trying to run charity events. Uh, and it, it wasn't about money or anything else. It's about enjoying being part of it and uh, taking more enjoyment from uh, actually being involved in a night out than actually just experiencing the night out itself almost. And yeah. um, it just never goes away. It's just in you, isn't it? And it, it is. We always the guy that sets stuff up for your mates. You know, when you were younger and, and things needed organising, was that always you? Uh, not always on my own, but I was probably always the person who took it one step too far. I think uh, we had a few New Year's Eve parties where uh, it got a bit extravagant and uh, I always had to push a bit harder and was incredibly stubborn about what I wanted. So I would throw my tantrums and everything, which... Again, that's that's hospitality as well. You want Tantrums, mate. you want it done properly, don't you? If you're going to do it, you do it properly. And uh, I think that's... I want to see a tantrum, mate. <laughs> they still happen every now and then. <laughs> I've never seen any tantrums. <laughs> they're, they're quiet, mysterious tantrums, shall we say, yeah. <laughs> no, but you want your stubborn. I guess it's born out of stubbornness. And you know what, especially now running venues, you know what looks good. You know the standards you want. You know how you want it delivered. And you're just so single track minded in making sure you deliver that. It doesn't mean you always get it right, but it means that you, you always go and get what you want. And I think that came all the way through from being young, running those kind of parties in nightclubs uh, right the way through to now. It's it's not much different. And I think I got into that and I didn't want to leave it. And uh, yeah, the sales job at Carlsberg was probably as close to being in it still without being in it. So actually being able to visit what was thousands of venues and look, I migrated down to Brighton and what a great experience because the venues down there, Brighton was booming, still is booming, had a great scene and actually to feel part of it and it, it, it never went away. So it was always going to be a natural progression to, to go back into it myself and do my own venues. Yeah. How long were you at Carlsberg for, mate? Uh, four years, four years, not that long, but he, long enough to As learn. an account manager? Yeah. Looking after? Manager, yeah. Yeah, free trade accounts. So I looked after all the independents uh, down around the south coast, around Brighton, yeah. And yeah, had a fantastic ah. time. Carswork were a great company to work for. A lot of leeway in how you deliver your sales strategy, what kind of accounts you go after. So you, you built it around your own sort of uh, charisma. I was, I was never great with the social clubs and the working men's clubs, but really kind of lent myself towards like foodie kind of 
pubs and uh, what was called back then the star bars and nightclubs. Yeah, stuff. And then, so at what point was this? Tell me honestly. Tell me how Yummy comes to Inception. Not not meaning Inception Group, but um, I've already I've already spoken to Charlie. <laughs> I think um, I think uh, for us it was uh, I was talking to a lot of people who ran their own businesses and you could see that they enjoyed it. But there was also on the other side of it uh, going round and uh, worked out that over those four years I went I went in over over three thousand venues actually. Um, when you start looking around and you start working on other areas, doing sales drives, and you you don't just see the good you see the bad and one thing then um, we're talking 2006 now was uh, the smoking ban everyone was sort of very negative about the smoking ban coming in um i got oh, to yeah. yeah do you know what i got to point uh, going back to working men's clubs where i was going in committee meetings with my suit on coming out stinking of smoke and having a cough for a week so i've done one committee meeting thinking actually i think this could be quite a good thing because i'm done with working in this smoky environment and there's a real opportunity now to run a real quality venue with amazing food. And that's exactly what we did. We, we took on a, a pub in the countryside on a 26-acre lake with horrific rent against it, but so much opportunity. But the idea is it was going to be amazing food and drink, and it was going to be a real experience. And because of no smoke in the venue, you can now deliver this because you're not killing the atmosphere or killing people's lungs with just smoke in this like low-vaulted building. Yeah, and it... it it created an opportunity that we saw and it spurred us on to to start the business. I think if uh, if it wasn't for that, we may have waited a few more years, but it spurred us on. We started looking for venues and it actually took us a year to find the wire mill. Uh, and a lot of pubs visited. Trump so what? So was this just because you were incredibly prescriptive about what you wanted or because there wasn't anything out there? Or Yeah, I think a business plan said that we wanted it's all be about location i think we just never fell in love with anything and rightly or wrongly so our first sight there was so much romance behind it that when you um when you're looking around and it's not quite the right one and i guess in my head i probably would have started off with a city center venue but actually that would have been the wrong call but yeah it took a long time and the second we saw the one it was a an horrific premium to start with that we can afford so we just kind of how much was it it was 175 it was on the market for yeah and uh it then went as a distressed asset for virtually zero when we got it uh, and we just kept tabs on it for six to nine months and we were just incredibly lucky because again uh as i say the rent was very high for the revenue uh, when we bought it it was doing less than 400k a year on 120k rent um and that's not sustainable. And I think... That uh, margin doesn't work, does it? No, and I think naivety kind of led us down. Naivety and romance led us into that venue, but actually we just persevered and made it work and eked out the first year we lost 100 grand. Uh, we literally had a few K in the bank and were cracking out. did you get Four of us. Uh, bug, beg, stole, borrow. So I had uh, money saved up for a house, deposit for my Carlsberg bonuses, uh, I put the money into the pub instead of the house, which actually now when we all look at, we all That's did things, it was the best money I ever spent, not just because of the result, but actually a lot of my friends at the same time were buying houses. And obviously the uh, 2008, six months after we took the pub on, the, we had the credit crunch and actually everyone's houses went into negative equity. So I probably would have lost that money in a house for a number of years. And uh, actually buying the pub was a sound investment. I didn't think it after the first year, but it definitely was, yeah. It also focuses your attention, mate. 
it makes you grow up. You make... <laughs> yeah, well, well, I I think what that says to me, and certainly for people listening, is that you've got if you're going to put your foot in it, go up to the groin. Yeah, yeah. There's no yeah deep. Head. There's no half measure, is there? And you also pointed out, mate, something else I've got to pick you up on, mate. You said you were lucky. And <laughs> I reckon this is the fifth podcast that I've run, mate, and probably about the 30th time I've heard people say how lucky they were. I think it's not luck, though. Because I, I you, you, you have to be yeah, there and put yourself yeah, there, don't you? You have to put yourself there, but on any given day. Um, you put yourself in a position and some of them are going to pay off and some of them don't. In the case of the wine mill, yes, we worked hard. We we're working seven days a week. We made sure we were in the game. How long for? Uh, sorry, how long for were we sort of seven days a week? Uh, about six months. Yeah, had no team seven days a week. Yeah, and um, the, the luck came. Okay, we 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 worked hard and we kept ourselves in the game despite the credit crunch. But it was actually in February '08. Our break was that the sun came out early that year, and we we'll never forget it. It was. The day after Valentine's Day, the sun came out, and we went from doing three thousand pounds a week up to fifteen thousand a week. And if that was two weeks later, it would have been too late for us. So, really, yeah, yeah, and that was the first make or break moment. And there's been three or four of those in this business now that have happened over those time. And it's, I, I absolutely agree with you. You've got to work hard to put yourself in the opportunity in the first place. Uh, look, if if we didn't work hard, we would have been gone within two months of buying the pub. Because we worked hard, we gave ourselves six months and we were just waiting for the lucky break. Because we worked hard and we survived, we got the break. And that's it. I do, I do agree with you, but I do think there is an element of luck in there. Uh, but you have to work. Uh, I think if you'd not had the luck there, you'd have got it somewhere else is what I'm saying. I think yeah, if, you just so. continue, if you keep putting putting your head in the lion's mouth, eventually, eventually it gets chopped off. But probably true. not the right analogy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm thinking, but... I've, you know, I can only refer to my own business, mate, and a lot of other people I've spoken to, and 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 you do things. You often find there's times where they are make or break moments, and you're you're on the precipice, aren't you? And sometimes yeah. you're looking over into the abyss. But I don't know a business person that hasn't gone through that, which is why I say it's not luck. I think it's how you then navigate that, and you know, get busy living or get busy dying. Yeah, no, that's you have to be of a certain characteristic to want to put yourself into that horrific situation in the first place. Oh, and I think uh, I think that's been proven time and time again through the last year and a half with COVID. Let's be honest, is uh, the companies who have been proactive and worked harder in a left field way, maybe, but those that have worked hard are still there now and are actually in a great place to start growing again when we come out of this. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll come on to talk about some of the stuff that you've been doing during lockdown, mate, because I think it's fabulous. Um, but so, so you've got the wire mill, you've gone through make or break. The yeah. sun came out just in time. Um, the sun always shines on the righteous, mate. So, <laughs> uh, so the sun comes out at the right time, um, and you go from three k to fifteen k. What's next? Buy a second pub far too soon. <laughs> so. Uh... I, I put my. Uh, Did you get drunk out. on power? No, no, not at all. No, I actually. Uh, what happened was, is um, uh, a pub came up down in uh, Canterbury in Kent, uh, second site, Shepherd Name uh, lease, and I went. Well, oh, I'm I'm from Kent. I understand Kent, and do you know what? We've got a pub on water. It works really well. And this is a second pub on water. It works really well. So let's just copy it and do that. The demographics look the same. Look, we can do this. 
And uh, what I found out is that uh, East Kent and West Kent are very different, and I don't understand it. The demographics may have looked good on paper, but when you looked at it, they were very asset rich and cash poor in the area. And uh, do, do you know what? We stuck at it with that pub for 10 years, and we lost a bit of money. But again, we learned a lot. We learned how to be multi-operators, but it wasn't necessarily the most successful enterprise. Some of the best innovation we did, we did at that site, but it was just location was wrong. And that's what it broke down to. Location was wrong for us. And no matter so what we did. Tell me what was wrong? Is this just purely because the people there didn't have any money? Uh, far too. Um, but they had money, but they were very, let's say their money was in their house. And the, the then transient people coming through the area, the tourists, weren't there to have the experience that we'd created at the wire mill. The wire mill was a fine dining experience on a lake fantastic food uh, and we were unashamedly not the cheapest in the area what we found down in kent is that there was always a, a 50p comparison on a portion of fish and chips and uh, do you know what everybody down there did an okay job but no one was exceptional at that point but it meant that you just couldn't push your price point up and uh, you made great money between 1 p.m and 3 p.m in the summer any given day but in winter you made no money and there was no evening trade with the high with the highest spend per head so it just didn't it didn't translate for us well, and it was just the wrong it was the wrong venue. It was the wrong venue, wrong location. And one thing I've I learned as well from that is actually your your commercial deal's got to be right to make that site work. It needed half a million pounds spent on it. You can't pump half a million pound into a tied lease uh, to make a site work. Uh, if it was the guys at the Pig Hotel, they'd look at that site and they'd whip it up in a flash if it was freehold, and we probably would now as well. But within that model, and it's not saying that the Tide model's wrong, it was wrong for that site and it was wrong for us. Yeah. Okay, but you, like you say, um, it's dead cheesy, mate, but you learn miles more when it goes wrong, don't you? Yeah, and we learned a hell of a lot of uh, positives. We became multi-site operators. We, we managed two sites that were an hour and a half apart really well. When we say it wasn't successful, it, it didn't make money because we were spending a lot on it, but we were still taking three quarters of a million pounds a year from it. You know, like revenue-wise, it was decent. It just wasn't decent enough for us. And uh, under a, a tenanted or a, a couple in there running as a single-site venue, they would have made great money whilst living on the site. But for a multi-site uh, operator trying to grow their business, it wasn't good enough. But it's it was a learning. And in that time, we still sort of, with your question of what comes next, I know that question's coming, is uh, whilst doing that, we managed to pick up a lot of awards for the wire mill and what we were starting to do. So we won three publican awards in one night. Um, had a nice, clean, clean sweep. And uh, we're very proud of that because we were just... What there. year was that, mate? Uh, that was 2009, yeah, uh, and yeah, it was absolutely incredible, incredible night, and when you think about the guys kind of pulling away those awards these days, uh, where you've got like New World and Peter Borg, Neil ACI, and you think, well, we've, we've been there, we've done that with one site, it was amazing, and uh, having multi-site experience at that point then opened us up to working with Charles Wells in London, and look, look what we've done with the business now in London, there's not many people who don't know the Summerstown Coffee House. And again, we're I know a lot of us <laughs> for different reasons. Intimately. <laughs> All four floors, yeah. Um, but when we talk about partnerships and working, that was a tied model, but it was co-invested in, well-funded site, in a secondary location that no one really knew about. But because of the partnership, partnership and because of the time we were given to establish it, we've, we've built an absolute monster here. I'm sat here today. And this site, although suffering because of the whole central London COVID thing, 
it's a cracking sight and it will be a cracking sight again when everyone's back and it has done phenomenally well despite the challenges, yeah. Yeah, I love the pub, mate. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit too much, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So what about, tell me about the other sites then. So we got ourselves up to six sites. We have uh, Tooting, Mile End and Stoke Newington as well. And do you know what, varying degrees of success there. Um, At one point we were absolutely flying. Uh, then challenges come along. Uh, Stoke Newington, I have to personally put my hands up and say I got it wrong. I think uh, I got romanced by Stoke Newington. Every operator wanted to be there. We got a site with Charles Wells right on Church Street. Thought, brilliant, this is it. And uh, I just, uh, I got the offer wrong. Actually, I got the design wrong. I got the offer on. I took too much on myself personally and uh, cocked it up. <laughs> so a site that should have been doing 20K a week was lucky to do 12. And then instead of being able to sort that out, all hell broke loose and uh, our flagship pub burnt down. We had the massive fire at Summerstown. And when you talk about things happening, and like especially with COVID now, I think a lot of people will understand this. It, it takes so much energy to resolve bad issues. And actually the company struggled because of that. Um, we didn't have the financial or time resource to fix the smaller problems. And you start to see things undoing around the corner. But when your flagship site's burned down, you need to get it built again. You need to get it done quickly. Everything's got to go into that. And uh, the business suffered for it, if I'm honest. I think there was a bad decision with the Clarence, but then it was a decision then that couldn't be fixed because you have to prioritise, you have to make decisions. And uh, it sounds awful to say, but you, you have you have to choose which child you're going to save. And uh, that's exactly what we did. And um, we had to think long and hard at the strategy. And actually, the strategy that we came up with was the best strategy uh, for us. It was uh, focused on getting the Summerstown open and flying again. Continue with, at the time we were negotiating, we actually pushed the button on it. And whilst suffering, believe it or not, we bought the freehold on our first site, the wire mill, which transformed our business because we then had this stable asset base. We owned a building. We have it. Got a fantastic deal, great support from the bank, uh, which myself and at the time, uh, Keith, uh, our chairman, worked really hard to get. It took a year and a half. And this was all whilst we were recovering from the fire. So you can see where the focus went, but it was the right thing to do. Uh, and we it's got- a massive learn for people there, mate, that yeah. you cannot do everything. No, I've no, fallen no, foul of it so many times trying to it, do too many different things at once. And sometimes there's no shame in stopping or going backwards. I think the narrative coming out of our industry was we're going to open 30 sites a year. We're going to open a site every trading period. And we were listening to this, getting caught up in ourselves. And uh, what we did was we looked at our sites with a five-year P&L and real inflation and costs and everything else. When these sites are marginal and they're that far away from going from a positive to a negative. So uh, we divested ourselves of two sites. Uh, it was a hard decision to make. We went from six sites down to four. But uh, we were very lucky because that happened in February 2020. We sold the two sites. Uh, and had we not done that... I thought you saying it's lucky again. Yeah, well, you know what, again, you work hard. Yeah, you made the decision, didn't you? But we didn't know that the COVID was going to be a right. thing then. Uh, but we no, you're right. business stabilising. it. The timing was perfect for us because had it been later, it wouldn't have happened. But And, and by the way, the people in those sites are doing a great job with them now as well. So it was a good decision all round. But um, losing those two sites meant that we knew that we had a more fruitful future. But what it actually did was meant that we survived COVID and are in a position now where we're going to come out of it probably the strongest we've ever been with the best venues we've ever had. Yeah. Oh, that's great. It's a great thing to hear, mate. 
Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about COVID then, mate. I don't mean, honestly, everybody's heard all the, the horrific <laughs> stories and it's not to play them down, mate. I just don't think, I don't think people want to hear any more about it on a podcast, but I'd love no. to hear more about some of the stuff that you did. Well, do you know what? Um, when when COVID hit, it's, it, for want of a better saying, it wasn't our first rodeo. We, we'd had uh, eight weeks of flooding because we had the massive floods uh, five years ago where the Somerset levels were flooded, but actually East Kent was flooded for six weeks. Had eight weeks of pub closure and the army had to come down and resupply our pub and help our staff. So that was quite bad. Um, and then we had the fire. So we're going through the proper Moses scenarios here, but we, we dealt wow. with it before and actually we found we worked very well under that stress. Um, so we by some force majeure, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but uh, again, you talk about... It's like that. tidal waves, mate. Yeah, but it's every time you survive it, you actually find you're better at what you do. <laughs> so yeah. More resilient as well. Yeah, so when, when COVID came along, uh, the first thing, obviously, was the lockdown. We had sold the two sites. Uh, we did have the freehold because of the decisions we made. Our business was in a really strong position. We also had an awesome team. And uh, prior to the furlough being announced or anything, we'd already made the call that we had six weeks pay in the banks. And we said, right, sod everyone else. We're going to pay ourselves for the six weeks. And the company will just go down. And that's the way it is. And we won't look at it too negatively because... If we're going to go down, a lot of others are, and there'll just be phoenix on the ashes afterwards. Everyone's there will be a need for pubs again, and there'll be a need for people now to run pubs. So it's not going to be a pretty few years, but we'll there'll be something. But the right thing to do is pay our staff and do that. Uh, and then furlough came along, which is massively helpful. Absolutely because, awesome, mate. Again, though, like you, you talk about making like when. Um, when we made the announcement to the team and all that, it wasn't one way. Like we had guys offering to sacrifice that pay and to help and to work for free and everything else. So it was really humbling. And actually knowing that it wasn't just us doing it for the team, it was a two way thing. And the, the, to the team's credit, and I, I use the team because there's, there's four pubs trading. Everyone was incredible. They all made tough decisions. And do you know what, after, uh, after the first few days of fallout, the phone calls are coming in saying, well, what can we do to help? We're on furlough, but we want to help. And this is then when we started looking at, well, we've got pubs full of food that's just going to rot. Um, there's things that we can do now. And to, look, these guys don't want to be, they don't want to sit this one out. So that's when the idea of the doing the groceries for those in need down at the countryside came into fruition. The guys cooking ready meals and allowing for the food to be collected by taking it to boots of cars in a safe manner. And that's when the homeless meals at the Summerstown kind of came along. And at the end of that, it's, uh, it's really humbling now to know that the teams and it, off 140 people, over 90 of them volunteered through that time. And those that didn't had good reason not to, they'd either left the country or were high risk themselves. So it was phenomenal. And to, to say now that uh, it, we helped tens of thousands of people actually is is a really nice thing to know and when we look back on this and it will be remembered beyond nice mate that is honestly is amazing i think it's brilliant mate in, you're in you're in shit your business is in shit you're in shit you're losing money hand over fist you're, you're looking after your employees and then you're going out there and giving away thousands and thousands of meals and from what i've heard you've had plenty of volunteers outside of your workforce as well but and that's exactly why you say like people say why do you do it or anything? It's not it's not like some strategic choice of desire. It's just a 
do you know what? We, we enjoy doing what we do. Again, if you can't do hospitality, find a way of doing something similar. Cooking food and giving it to people is essentially hospitality. So we just carried on doing our jobs because we didn't know what else to do. And as you say, it wasn't, we weren't doing it alone. This time around, unlike the fire where Summerstown, where at times you felt incredibly alone, everybody was going through the same. And actually everybody was suffering, but giving back as well. And you know yourself, yeah, how many people volunteered to help us? Look, with the, the homeless mills, it wasn't like we were putting our hands in the pocket for food. Uh, we had, it was over 50 companies donated food to the Summerstown to do the homeless mills. And that's what sustained it. And that was through, that's through everybody in this industry, people listening to this podcast, no doubt, were part of that. So it wasn't a evangelical, oh, look what I'm going to do. It was actually incredible team effort. Hey. If you look at it, it was hey, hey. cool. And we just, we just enjoyed working with people and doing it. And it was as Anybody who knows you, mate, knows that you would have no ulterior motive in doing it, buddy. Oh, thank I you. just think it's amazing because I still, you know, because I get to see it from I get to see it from the outside in, and there's not many people who stand up and do stuff like that. I just think you've got choices to make, and people, some people make Actually, amazing no, choices. Like, I'd probably class it at what we did here, and people say what you did here. It was there are a lot of people like it because over 200 people were involved in it. It's okay. It might have been me phoning up and asking, but that's all I was doing, and I was only asking because I knew people would say yes. There wasn't any gamble to it. I just know that there's good people and they're going to say yes. And it wasn't a big ask. It wasn't hard. And these are people that if uh, I can't remember, someone said to me, it's like, uh, when you're working with people, you should class it. If you like them, can you sit and have a beer with them? If the answer is yes, you're probably going to enjoy working with them. And that's exactly the mentality today is we walked around and we had people around us that I would have a beer with any day that we can sit at a bar with, have a chat, just like we are now really. And, uh, it made it made lockdown actually far more uh, for myself, my own personal mental health. It actually helped me, no doubt. I think I got as much from it as I gave, actually. I wouldn't have done well being sat at home. Uh, I needed something and I've always had a purpose. And I think uh, for me and a lot of our team and uh, our guys have said the same, is it was as important for us as it was for the people we were doing things for, actually. So going on that sort of thread... From a personal point of view, I never see any negativity from you ever. Okay. But over the last 15 years, there must have been some real down times where you felt like shit. Uh, Don't tell I me mean, there haven't been any, because it just makes me feel weak. No, 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 no. Trust me, there are. There are. But I think um, look, when, when your pub's burning down, and uh, I literally remember it was 8 o'clock on a Friday, and uh, I was uh, at that point far fitter than I am now, and just walked out the gym. And I uh, just got home, got in the shower, and just breaking uh, up a bit actually, Anthony. Oh, sorry, is that better? Uh, go on, keep talking. I'll tell you. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, at that point it was I was uh, literally just got back from the gym, got out of the shower, and uh, my phone had gone mad whilst I was in the shower. And uh, I received the news as a phone call from the manager at the same time as I saw it on BBC News 24 because they were just about to shut Euston train station because Euston Road was already closed. And this was not long after Grenfell. So I know that on a Friday at that pub, there's 400 people in it. So your heart just, number one, your heart sinks because you're like, is everybody safe? Is my team safe? Are the guests safe? And then again, you get selfish and you go, shit, is everyone safe? And if they're 
if anyone's not safe, oh my God, you think about them and you think about people who've been working with you for years, are they okay? And then you also think about yourself because there's the risk as a director of corporate manslaughter. And then after that, you find out that the people are safe. Then you find out that the fire brigade are happy with how you've dealt with the situation. But then you're faced with the reality of actually this pub's burning down. Trust me, I sat on that curb at three o'clock in the morning whilst it was still a bonfire and it was a low point in my life. But you've got to, it's... Yes, there are, I do try and stay positive because I think there's always positives in these things. You know what, like we built the Summerstown back and we built it back better because, again, of the support of the industry. Look, the, at the time, uh, the insurance was slow to come. It was hard work. And actually, people within the industry stepped up and helped me there massively with advice wow. and, and we got the money. And this pub's better than it's ever been. So there's been loads of low points. I've had treatment plants fail with poo everywhere. Well, I've been literally knee-deep shoveling it. Um, I've had, God, God, we've had pubs losing money. We've had theft. Never happen. heard you call it poo before, mate. No, well, I'm being polite, aren't I? We're on a podcast. Um, but I've, I've had low points, but you've got to move from it quickly. And also don't, just because something bad happens, doesn't mean that everything at that moment in time is negative, is it? There's a lot of, okay, I can look at the, the, the time with the pub burning down. Look, I, the pub was burning down. Actually, one of my worries is my, my wife was six months pregnant at that point. And I'm sort of like, oh, my God, what's going on? So um, the positive, though, is that look, I'm starting a family. So there's you, you can look one part of life, but there's always other things around you that are positive, positive going on. So I may have come across positive, but that's only because I probably ignore the bad things. <laughs> I don't know if that's always a good thing, but you kind of turn your back on it a bit. You deal with it. You wake up in the morning and... I'm a big believer in sometimes you just got to, and I, I read quite a bit. I just, uh, if I'm having a bad day and I just go to bed early and I read my book for a bit and I have a good night's sleep, I switch off, read my book, wake up in the morning. It's a different day, isn't it? And you just got to tackle the issue quickly. And uh, my wife will tell you, I have frustrated moments. I have really annoyed, pissed off moments, but they don't last long. I, I do try and make sure that I don't dwell on it and get on with it. Yeah. Yeah. We call it hippo time. Hippo. You've got to give yourself, you give yourself a little bit of hippo time. I always, whenever anything goes wrong now, mate, I actually give myself an amount of time that I'm allowed to be pissed off about it. Yeah. And after that point, I have to get up and crack on because yeah. you can't just mope. You can't mope. You do something about it. And you, you look at the positives in it. At fire, we came back with a better pub. Actually, because we handled the fire well, again, from a from how we handled it and how positive we were, it generated positivity. And actually, we gained great PR. We had customers come in look, We've got half of London Fire Brigade still drinking here because of it. Because That's brilliant. They, they love the pub and they found the pub because of the fire. And now, look, there's, I think it's four different watches here. And do you know what? It's okay. We've we lost a lot of money, but we're still standing. And, you know, we, we're growing back again from it. So it's, it's not all bad. And, like, look at COVID. I mean, I, it was uh, my wife's a teacher. So what would happen is in the morning, I'd have my son for uh, three hours every morning and I'd just take him for a three hour yeah, so I had that time. And yes, I had to be on the phone all the time whilst I was pushing the pram along and everything else, but I saw him take his first steps. You know, if, if this was normal world, I wouldn't have done that. I would have been at work when he started walking. So there, there is positives and you can definitely make those around everything else going on in your life, yeah. I think you've made it immensely more positive than most, if I'm honest, mate. And that's not, it's not a competition. I just know... <laughs> I just know that it's it's been a difficult time, and if you can keep a positive attitude on it, you infect people around you in a good way. I agree with that. As well, yeah. I think it is uh, it's something that's 
within a business it's culture but actually wider than that if you stay positive other people will and again it's uh, what i call pragmatic karma if you're nice to people they'll be nice back and if more people are nice then we're far better off on our day-to-day lives getting on with our jobs aren't we i agree with you mate <laughs> Ed, you mentioned your books that you've read yeah any particular favorite God, I don't know. I forget most of them because I generally fall asleep with them on my face dribbling. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I, I read, uh, you get like the historic ones, like I read the uh, biography of um, Napoleon. That was actually really interesting. But then on the other side, you've got the, the classic business ones like uh, Chimp Paradox and everything. They are brilliant to read. I, and they do. I, know, I haven't met anyone who doesn't and I read it and I really enjoyed it. I read it twice in the end. Uh, I think a book that I've probably read more than anything else is uh, uh, Mayer's Setting the Table, and I still go back to that book even now from an industry perspective. There's still, what's it? I've seven, not read that, mate. Can you seven, send me a WhatsApp on it? Yeah, of course I can. Yeah, seven, me of it. years after it being written, I think there's still stuff to learn in that book every time you read it, yeah. I'll tell you, I'll fire one back at you. I've just uh, had a few days off, and I've read Think Like a Monk, Okay. Um, Doesn't sound Shetty. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. Are you now celibate? A lot of stuff. Free? Hey? Are you now celibate and alcohol free? <laughs> no, no, I'm thinking like a monk. I'm not being a monk. Okay. Um, but a lot of the stuff that you've talked about, that not just the positive karma stuff, but about that taking positives out of a situation. Honestly, I, I, I'm not going to spoil the book for you, but it, it's. I, you know, when you naturally think somebody will enjoy something, yeah. well, like you enjoyed the, the chimp paradox, you'll really enjoy this as well. Okay, I think, I think it's it's as good as the chimp paradox, mate, but it's okay. just in a different way. So anyway, um, one more question from me, buddy. Um, yeah. The future, what? Uh, apart from watching your little lad grow up, and uh, and running four cracking venues, what's what's next? I think there's amazing opportunity uh, coming down the road now. I think uh, this whole market shifted, uh, needed to settle a little bit more. Got a bit of debt to pay back now uh, with the business, so that's a focus. But uh, one thing we did in lockdown is we took on uh, one of our old team, came back to us and is uh, a co-owner in one of the sites now. And uh, I'd, I'd love to work in that collaboration space with talent where actually that small business, where they're starting out and actually together they have great ideas they have great innovation and i can help support that and work with them and what he's done there at the victoria mile end the food the seafood he's done everything is just phenomenal and it, if i'm they honest kind of put their put their yeah. energy together and ideas together with your experience you know i felt i found that my energy was feeding off their energy it's a young team yeah. seven eight guys are in there and i just go in there and i just get the buzz from it and it, it reminds me so much of myself sort of 15 years ago and I just feel younger kind of walking away from that site and just yeah it'd be just nice to instead of just trying to grow this I'm going to have 50 pubs and we're going to go and get this investment and I'm going to own it and I'm going to run it it's actually a, it's far nicer to work with people and when you see that kind of like passion come through I, I think the future for me holds working with more people like that and actually working in collaboration actually accepting what I'm good at and accepting what I'm not good at and working with people who do fill that void. And I've definitely seen that over the last year coming through COVID, some great talent and I want to work with it and I want to help it nurture it because 
there's bits that I can do that others can't, but there are things that these guys do that not many can. That was a massive win-win there. It's incredible, yeah, honestly, yeah. Yeah, and I, I see you... legs in it. So you can sit there, you could, you could, uh, you could invite people to come and chat to you about how <laughs> how they would do it and how they'd build it, and you can decide whether you'd like to sit down and have a beer with them. And then that's your first <laughs> box pick, isn't it? Yeah, I, and I'd like to think that I'd be sitting back in kind of this non-exec role, not doing anything. But I'm not very good at that. I mean, when we uh, did uh, yeah, that, I was going like, to say you're not, are you? <laughs> no, we we uh, we didn't have much money. So although we kind of co-invested in this, there wasn't much money going then believe it or not but it's what happens when your business doesn't trade so a lot of the uh what we did in the back garden with the covered space going from 40 covers to 100 the redecoration of the internal of the pub I, I was there with a paintbrush with the guys but actually again that's kind of why you do it and i'm not going to be that sit down hands off person I, i've learned over the last uh, sort of five six years when to keep my hands off because uh, you can have a negative touch at times, but other times it's time where you can just get involved and actually roll your sleeves up because uh, ultimately that's why we came back into it and uh, definitely found that with reopening this time. We, we did lose staff where they've moved back overseas and stuff and we had a very young team here at the Summerstown and I uh, spent two weeks serving beers and running around again and you remind yourself why you actually came into this in the first place and it, it wasn't to sit behind spreadsheets, it was to actually be actively involved and it was... It was lovely to do that again, and I'd like to carry on. That's that's the future. Oh, mate. You know what? Um, you, you're quite humble. Well, you're very humble, mate, and and you probably won't like what I'm going to say, but I know that you're immensely highly thought of Thanks, in mate. the sector um, just uh, just because you're a thoroughly decent fella. I try. And, <laughs> and, and massive, mate, I know you're mega busy as well, and I massively appreciate you doing this. Um, always and, a pleasure mate always a pleasure and if there's, uh, if there's anything I can do for you mate I'll always always there if I can um, and I'll look forward to having a beer when we can I was going to say pint soon that'll do that's all you need to do that'll do me mate <laughs> <laughs> and maybe some cool. bike training <laughs> <laughs> alright buddy cool. right, you take care take really care, enjoyed sorry. that thanks Thank Anthony cheers, cheers mate you, cheers bye bye buddy bye bye